0: joining us today here at Victory. At Victory Church we are a community of authentic spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. Join us as we begin today's message. All right. So today we're continuing on in the series that we've been at for a couple of weeks now on the life of King David called heart transplant. And so um, if you would go ahead and turn with me to 1st Samuel chapter 17. That's where we're going to be at today. 1st Samuel 17. You can turn, click whatever you got or we got it up on the screen here. And then as you're turning there, we're going to dive into the middle of a story with a young David. He's still young at this point in time. He's been anointed the future king, but technically King Saul is still on the throne. And the scene that we're going to be stepping into with the young King David is um, his brothers at this point in time. They're older than him. Obviously, he's the youngest of the whole crew. And three of them, three of his oldest brothers, are off at war. And so they're off at war. And so while they're off at war, his dad, Jesse... Uh, comes up to David, and he has some food, and he says, David, I want you to take this food. I want you to go up to your brothers. Take this food to them, and I want you to check on them. Check on my boys, see how they're doing, and also check on the status of the war and see how things are, coming, are, are going along, and then come back and report it back to me. And so that's what David does. The text tells us he leaves early in the morning, and he goes out there uh, to where uh, the Israelites, the nation of Israel, their army is camped. A- and as you might expect, he's, he's going out there, and he's expecting to see a bunch of guys who've been in battle right like they've been out there for a good while now weeks and weeks and weeks so he's expecting to see some guys that have been in war maybe some bruises some cuts and some wounds and and some stories but then when he gets there he actually sees the complete opposite it's a bunch of guys that look like they've been doing nothing but sitting around and walking around for several weeks and doing no fighting whatsoever because that's what they've been doing no fighting whatsoever and he quickly finds out why, because as he gets there, the nation of Israel, they're doing kind of their war cries and they're, you know, pumping their chest and all that good stuff. They're, you know, making themselves like, you're amping themselves up, getting ready for something. And they go out and they look down into this valley and they see two men down there. One of them is holding a giant shield. So obviously this guy is a shield bearer. And the other one is this giant warrior of a man and he's shouting at them and he's mocking them. He's making fun of them. Um, and calling them all kinds of names, cussing at them. And he's not only cussing at them, he's also cussing at their God and mocking God. And that's the main thing that we need to get from this. And as he's doing this, what he's doing is he's challenging somebody to a fight. You send your best warrior down, anybody it is, you can pick. Send them down here, fight me, we'll fight to the death. Whoever wins, that means that person's army will win the battle, and their nation, of course, will win the war. Let's just settle this like that. Mano el mano, right? And he's calling them out and he's mocking them. But what's crazy about this is David's looking around. Nobody's responding to this. Not one person. He finds out this has been going on for 40 years days every morning and every night this this man goes out and he taunts them and he mocks them and he's saying send somebody anybody do you not have anybody to send out here to fight me is not or none of you um willing to actually come down and just try to fight me and not one person would not one person would even entertain the idea the king would actually try to entice them and say look i'll give you this i'll give you that if anybody would come out and try to face this guy but nobody would And the text actually tells us as soon as they would see this guy that they would all lose their courage and they would become terrified just at the mere sight of him. They would become terrified because this man that was standing down at the valley and he was mocking them and making fun of them and making fun of their God, he was nine feet, nine inches tall. And we actually know from history that the armor that he was wearing, just the armor alone, was 125 pounds. So by all accounts, this was a massive man, a giant of a man by all accounts. Like think of the, um, the actor, The Rock. like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Most of us have probably heard of him. He's a massive dude. Like he's like six feet, six inches tall, something like that. And his arm is probably like as big as my chest. It's ridiculous. If not bigger, he's massive. And I'm not exaggerating. He's huge. Well, think about that guy, if that kind of helps you. That's what I do. I think about him and then add over three feet in height That's how big this dude is. He's a giant. And on top of that, he is literally a trained killer. And he's undefeated, meaning he is really good at what he does. And so every single one of these guys, as soon as they see him, they lose all courage and they become terrified. They're literally paralyzed in fear. But check out what David does. This runt kid, literally, that shouldn't even be there, Check out what he has to say about this giant Goliath as soon as he sees him. His name, by the way, is Goliath. I think we probably already know that. This is uh, chapter 17, the end of verse 26. This is what David says. Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So. So while everybody else in in Israel's army is literally petrified, they are so scared they won't even move. They won't even entertain the idea of going down there and attempting to fight this guy. This runt kid named David that shouldn't even be there is literally saying in front of everybody, who in the world does this crazy joker think he is? Defying the armies of the living God. See, all of us are facing different giants or enemies in our life. All the time, even today, every single one of us are facing different things. And they look different for different people. But what we typically do is we start to look at these things and we start to get a look at how big they are and how scary they look. And as we do, more often than not, we act exactly like the nation of Israel did. And we start to lose our courage and we become terrified in the face of our giants, in the face of our enemies. So much so that we essentially become paralyzed and do nothing about it. But David actually shows us through this text, uh, there's several things that, that he knew, that he understood, that kind of enabled him to be able to take on any giant that came his way. No matter how big they were, no matter how scary they looked, he would take all of them on, and Goliath was just one of them. He took on all kinds of giants throughout his life, and we'll learn about some of them today. But the main thing that David understood that enabled him to do this was that with God, he was already victorious. With God, he was already victorious. And hear me, the same thing is true for every single one of us today, is the fact that when you are in Christ, you are already victorious. That's our big idea. When you are in Christ, you are already victorious. The only question that we have to ask ourselves is, are you willing to claim the victory that you have already been given through Jesus? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the fact that we, we really are. We are victorious because of Jesus, because of your son, because of what he's done for us in our place on the cross. I pray that you would help to us to understand this. I pray that you would help us to live this out. I pray that you would speak to every single one of us today and I pray that if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, I pray that first off, that They would respond to salvation. They would respond to your free gift, your grace, that you extend to every single one of us for salvation. I pray for that miracle of salvation that only you can perform. And for every single one of us, just like we pray every week, I pray that you would draw us closer to you in a more intimate relationship with you. I pray that you would help us to live out the victory that you died to give us, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just take over this time, take over this sermon, speak in and through me, speak to me, and speak to your people. I pray all this in your name Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So when it comes to claiming our victory, that's that's what we're going to be talking about today. Claiming the victory that you've already been given through Jesus. Nobody knows this better than King David did. Again, he 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 faced all kinds of giants, all kinds of enemies in his life and he, he wasn't scared to back down from them and he saw so many giants so many enemies in his life fall and so this is a guy that knows a lot about this and especially through this text as a a young David he's not even technically the king yet there's a few things that we can see through this text a few things that he shows us that will help us enable us to be able to face our giants and claim the victory that Christ longs to give us as well. And so what I want us to do for the next several minutes is I want us to dive into this. I want us to look at four different things that David shows us through this text. Four different ways, uh, really four different things that are vital to claiming the victory that Christ longs to give us. And the first thing, he actually shows us in the text that we already read. The first thing that is vital to claiming our victory in and through Jesus Christ is we have to know our enemy, you have to know your enemy if you're going to be able to claim your victory. The first thing that happens, again, in the text that we just read is as soon as David sees Goliath, he identifies Goliath. He, he calls him out for exactly who he is. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. See, what's so amazing is while everybody else was paralyzed in fear, they couldn't look past this guy's size. And they were so scared of him. David looked past all that. He looked past the size to exactly who this guy was. He Again, he was an uncircumcised Philistine. It's like that old saying, uh, it goes, uh, knowing is half the battle. You heard of that before? Knowing is half the battle? That was true for David in this story. But then, listen to me, it's true for every single one of us today. Knowing is half the battle, knowing who your enemy is. And so let's break this down, this identity that David calls out for Goliath. He says, first off, he's uncircumcised, uncircumcised. And so the reason that circumcision is so important is because back in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, we, we're now covered by a new covenant, but in the Old Covenant, the main sign, the main symbol that you belong to God was circumcision circumcision that was the outward sign that you belonged to God but this guy's uncircumcised and the second thing that we see is the fact that he was a Philistine David calls him an uncircumcised Philistine so why is that so important the reason that's so important is because Philistines were not a part of God's chosen people the Israelites were so in other words Goliath is not a part of God's family and so because David was willing to look past Goliath's eyes, past all the external things that everybody else in the whole nation of Israel was cr- getting tripped up by, they were paralyzed in fear by, because he was willing to look past all of that, he saw this guy does not belong to God. He is not a part of God's family. He is actually an enemy of God, meaning that he is not under the protection of God. He's not under the protection of God. See, his acknowledgment of his enemy paved the way for his victory over his enemy. But first, he had to acknowledge him for who he truly was. Because listen, every single one of us, again, we're facing different enemies in our life, different giants, if you will, and and it looks different for everybody. You might be here today, and the thing that you're facing is addiction. Or maybe it's a relationship issue, like a marriage issue struggle, or maybe it's medical um, issues that keep on creeping up more and more, and there's different things that we're facing, enemies, giants that we're facing in our life, but the apostle Paul actually tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we have an enemy, we have this giant that we're facing um, that's actually behind all the other enemies, all the other giants that we will ever face in our life. He tells us this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. Meaning we're not wrestling with each other, we're not fighting each other. We are actually fighting against demonic principalities that are around us. In other words, Satan and his demons. And they are very real, they are very powerful, they are very strong. And that's part of why Paul writes this and he tells us this is because he wants us to acknowledge this. It's like don't just sweep this under the rug, this is real. They are very real, they are very powerful, they are very strong. But what's so amazing about this is God is bigger and more powerful, stronger than anything that you will ever face in your life. Anything that you will ever face in your life. And so the first thing to claim in your victory is knowing who your true enemy is. Is just like David did in this story, but it doesn't just stop there because in this story, David just doesn't just call out Goliath and say, Well, that's an uncircumcised Philistine, who does this guy think he is, and then turn around and go back home. Right? This story keeps on going. That's just the first thing he does. The second thing that David shows us through this story that is vital to claiming your victory is that we need to face our enemy. You have to know your enemy first, but then you have to be willing to face your enemy. And he shows us how this is done in verses 31 through 37. It says, uh, what David says was overheard and reported to Saul. Because remember, he's calling this guy out for exactly who he is, an uncircumcised Philistine. And he's he's talking about him and he's asking these different questions and wondering what in the world is going on. Why is nobody going on uh, down there and fighting this guy? And the word gets back to Saul, to the king. So we had David brought to him David said to Saul, don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. But Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth. And he's been a warrior since he was young. David answered Saul, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Goliath was not David's first giant that he had taken on. It wasn't the first enemy that David had faced. He had a lot of experience with this, and the key word is there, the first enemy that he had faced See, David faced every enemy that ever came his way, every giant that ever came his way. He didn't back down from them. He faced them. And what we see through this text, what David shows us, is that in order to claim our victory, we first need to take our stance and face our enemy. You have to take your stance, and you have to face your enemy. See, a lot of times I think that we, we get in this mindset that our biggest problem is whatever it is that we're facing. You know, maybe, maybe you're facing some, some medical issues, maybe you're facing uh, some financial issues, some debt that's creeping up more and more, or relationship issues, marriage, whatnot, other struggles, addiction, whatever it may be. And we think that is the biggest issue. And we get so overwhelmed and bogged down by that with how big it is. And again, we lose our courage, we become terrified, and we think that is the biggest issue in my life right there. But hear me, that's not the biggest problem. That's not the biggest issue. The biggest problem is the fact that we're not willing to face it. That's the biggest problem. Check out verse 36 again. This is David. He says, Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Listen, when you start to see your problem is bigger than your God, then you shouldn't be surprised whenever you don't walk in light of the freedom and the victory that Jesus Christ died to give you. You shouldn't be surprised. Because it's only when we see God for who he truly is, which is bigger and more powerful than anything that we will ever face in our lives, it's only then that we can honestly start living in light of the victory that he died to give us. And something that we need to understand is is when we are walking in light of this victory, that Christ died to give us, that doesn't always mean that our circumstances are going to change. It doesn't mean that your circumstances are always going to change. Actually, a lot of times they don't. They'll stay the same and very similar. But something that will always change is your perspective. Your perspective will always change. In your circumstances, they may stay the same. The medical uh, issues that you're struggling with may stay the same. Even Paul. Paul had uh, a lot of different issues that he struggled with. He was partially blind. Some theologians think the thorn in the flesh that he struggled with uh, were like physical ailments that he struggled with from all of the, the beatings and the torture that he received. And so sometimes the healing comes, sometimes it doesn't in this life. We know that one day it will. One day it will. One day we'll be in a place where... You know, we're not going to have any kind of pain, any struggle, any heartache, because it won't exist. Because sin won't exist. But sometimes in this life, we still struggle with these things. And the temptations to fall into different things, to different struggles. Especially if you're someone like myself that have struggled with addiction in the past. Read Romans 7, and Paul is transparent about this internal war, this internal battle that's raging even within himself. And Galatians 5, talking about the the spirit and the flesh waging war within us. So a lot of times, guys, listen to me. These these things, they're not going to always go away. The circumstances that you're in, it won't always change. The situations you find yourself in won't always change. But hear me. Nothing in this world, nothing has the power to take away the peace and the joy that you have been given in and through Jesus Christ, unless you allow it to unless you allow it to. And so often we do. We just hand it over. But nothing, not even you, ever, ever has the power to take away the salvation that you have been given along with the hope and the future that you have been given in and through Jesus Christ. Nothing can ever take that away from you. And when we honestly, when we know that, And not just up here, but when we know that in here, and when we live that out, guys, that's when we can face our giants, we can face these battles, whatever comes our way with confidence. No matter what happens in this life, knowing that we are already victorious because of Jesus. No matter what happens in this life, you are already victorious because of Jesus. So let's recap really quick. In order to claim your victory, first you need to know your enemy. The second thing is that you need to face your enemy. And the third thing that we see through David in this text is the fact that you need to know your identity. You need to know your identity. See, something else that's so amazing about this story is the fact that David was just a kid. I mean, he's not like five or six, but he's, he's not even old enough to be in the army yet at this point in time. That's how young he is. He's just a runt kid, a shepherd boy. And he's completely unqualified to be there. And we talked about this last week when it came to his anointing. He wasn't even there. When Samuel came to anoint the next king, he wasn't there. Nobody in his family even acknowledged that he existed. Samuel had to ask him, do you not have any other sons? So once again, he's in the situation where it looks like from the world's perspective, he's completely unqualified. He shouldn't even be there. David would have been the last person that the nation of Israel would have actually selected to go up against Goliath. And then check out what Saul had to say to David at first glance. This is found in verse 33. It says, but Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth. And he's been a warrior since he was young. And remember, Saul is the king. He's the king of the nation of Israel. And we know through scripture that Saul was also a warrior himself. This guy was very successful at war. He was a a great fighter himself. And so this isn't some just joker off the side of the street, right? Some some random bum that's giving him advice. This is the king, his king, of the nation of Israel, who is a very brave warrior himself, giving him advice. You would think that he'd probably listen to it, and most people would want to take it, right? And how easy would that have been? How easy would it have been for David to actually listen to what he's saying, and not just what this king is saying, but everybody else around him, what they are saying, what essentially the entire world is saying, which is, you are unqualified. Kid, you shouldn't even be there. You need to go back home to daddy. You are going to get killed. This dude's going to eat you for breakfast. That's David Tripp's translation of this text right here. And from the world's perspective, he would have. And it would have been so easy for him to listen to everything else that everybody else was saying, rather than listening to what God said. But check out what David said back to King Saul in this text. This is uh, the beginning of verse 37. Then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So again, here's this kid. Shouldn't even be there completely unqualified for the job, is not even old enough to be in the army. He's not trained like these other guys are. But he stands up to the king of the nation of Israel, his king, and he says, no, I will go fight this giant and I'm going to take this giant down because my God is going to help me take this giant down. And it, it begs this question, where in the world did this kid get this confidence? Because he's talking to his king when he says this. Where did he get this confidence? Where Where did he get this faith from? So what we have to understand is David had giant faith because he knew his identity. He knew who he was, but more importantly, he knew whose he was. He knew whose he was. He was a loved, valued, cherished child of the God of the universe. And hear me, when you belong to Jesus, so are you. You are a loved, valued, cherished child of the God of the universe. And your identity is now found in Jesus, in Christ, which means you have salvation for your soul along with a hope and a future that can never be taken from you. And something else that comes along with your, your identity in Christ is the fact that you are more than a conqueror through Christ. Every one of us is. From the moment that we are saved, you are more than a conqueror in and through Jesus Christ. And hear me, David knew these things. He, he understood these things. He knew who he was. He knew whose he was. And because he knew these things, listen to me, he was able to go up against bears and lions and even nine-foot giants, anything that came his way, knowing that they would all fall. Every single one of them would fall because he knew that he never fought alone. He never fought alone, and hear me, neither do you. When you honestly belong to Jesus, when you are in Christ, you never fight alone. He is always right there beside you, fighting right there with you. So know your identity, know who you are in Christ, and don't ever forget it. And and this leads us to the last thing that we see in this text that David shows us is vital to claiming our victory. And that is the fact that we need to know our God. You have to know your God. Check out what David says, the last thing that he says to Goliath before he takes him down. This is uh, verses 45 through 47. It says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You have defied him. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. Today I'll strike you down, remove your head, and give the corpses of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. I love this text. I love David's confidence in this. And, and um, I love it. There's so many things I love about that. But there's one thing that I want us to catch here. One thing, for the sake of time, I don't want you to miss. And that's how David refers to God. That's what David calls God in this text because he calls him the Lord of armies. The Lord of armies. In other words, what he's calling him is the ultimate warrior, a warrior God. See, because David knows his God, he knows who his God is. He's able and he's willing to declare his God's identity and power in the face of his enemy. And that's exactly what he does. When he stands there in front of this nine foot, nine inch tall giant, he declares his God's identity and power to his face just before he takes him down. See, David's confidence was never in himself. He was never confident in himself. He wasn't brave because he thought that he could take this giant down. He knew it wasn't qualified. He knew he couldn't do this on his own. He wasn't dumb. We know through his life he was probably really intelligent. But David knew his God, and he had confidence in his God. That's why he was able to take this giant down. In the Old Testament, um, whenever God's people would, would learn a new characteristic or attribute about God, something about his identity, what they would do is they would give him a new name. And there's all kinds of different names in the Old Testament for God. And that's what David is doing here. He's the ultimate warrior, right? He's this warrior God. And there's all kinds of different names that we see in the Old Testament. Because they knew in the Old Testament what well, we know today, that God is immutable, meaning that he never changes. So when you read the Old Testament, the same God and the Old Testament is the same God that is alive and well today. And one of the most powerful pictures that we get of this, of one of God's names, is found in Exodus chapter 3 with Moses at the burning bush. And Moses is faced with one of the most impossible missions that anybody could ever be given. More impossible than anything that we'll ever get from the world's standards. Because he was told to go up against one of the most powerful regimes in the entire world at that time. And go up specifically to one of the most powerful men in the world at that time. And to tell him that he needed to let all of these people go that they had uh, uh, used as their slaves for a workforce for hundreds of years. He just needed to go up to him and tell him to let them all go. That's your mission. And so Moses is thinking to himself, probably what all of us are thinking, how in the world am I going to do this? And he says to God, who am I to do this? How am I supposed to do this? Nobody will listen to me. Pharaoh's not going to listen to me and your own people. What am I supposed to do and go up to them and tell them, hey, I've got a good plan. I'm going to go up to Pharaoh and tell them he should just let you all go. You've been captives for hundreds of years, but this is going to work. They're going to think I'm crazy. So who am I supposed to say is sending me? Under whose authority am I supposed to say these things? And so God replies by telling him one of the most simple, yet one of the most profound and powerful things that we see in all of Scripture. It's just two words. He says the words, I am. I am. And so what he was telling Moses back at the burning bush, the same thing that he's telling us today, because the same thing is true for us today is the fact that he is, he is bigger and stronger and more powerful than anything that you will ever face in your life. He is able to supply for every single one of your needs. And at the mere mention of his name, every giant, every enemy that you will ever face in your life must fall. It has no other choice. It must Because listen to me, no matter what you're going through in in your life, no matter how big or scary or powerful, strong it may seem, listen to me, there is only one Alpha and Omega. There is only one creator and sustainer of the universe and everything in it. There is only one Lord, one God, one Savior, one Redeemer. There is only one giant slayer who is undefeated, and that is Jesus Christ, only Jesus Christ. And that's why, listen to me, when you are in Christ, you are already victorious. Because Jesus is standing with you. Nothing can stand against you. Nothing can stand against you. So as we end today and and the worship team comes up, I want to encourage you guys to come on up. I want to leave you with a couple of questions for you to reflect on and ask yourself and be honest with yourself about. And be honest with God about. The first one is this. Do do you honestly belong to Jesus? Do you honestly belong to him? Have you given your life, your, your heart over to him for salvation? Because here's the thing. You can't walk in light of the victory that he longs to give you unless you first belong to him. And so ask yourself that and be honest. And if your answer to that question is no, I don't. I've never given my life, my heart to Jesus for salvation. Then my question to you is what are you waiting for? what are you waiting for the hard work has already been done the word tells us he stands at the door and he knocks it's an invitation to every single one of us so if that's you today listen to me you have that opportunity right here right now don't wait don't wait and then for those of us if you're here today and you're like i've already made that commitment i've already given my life to christ i'm saved If that's you, then my question to you is, are you honestly walking in light of the victory that Jesus died to give you? When you look at your life and you look at the things that you're going through, and we all go through different things. They look different for different people, but we're all going through different things. But when you look at your life and you look at the things that you're going through, be honest with yourself. Are you going through them as a victor, more than a conqueror through Christ, or more as a victim? When you look at these enemies and the giants that you're facing in your life, do you start to lose courage? Do you start to lose faith? Do you become terrified? Because you're looking at your problems as bigger than your God is. Are you claiming the identity and the power of your God that loves you and that you are under the protection of and telling whatever it is that you're facing, those giants, those enemies that you're facing in your life, that my God is bigger and more powerful than anything that you can ever throw at me? Be honest with yourself. And if you find yourself struggling with this, if you find yourself really falling into this victim mentality through the struggles and the situations that you're facing in your life, then I want to encourage you to step out in faith. I want to encourage you to start walking in light of the victory that God, that Jesus died to give you. So what we're going to do, we're going to sing one last song. And the first step, again, it's acknowledging it. It's acknowledging it and bringing it before God and saying, God, here I am, help me, help me, help me to walk in light of your victory. Or if you're not saved, Jesus, please save me, bring me into your family, and help me to walk in light of this victory. So as we sing, I want to encourage everybody to stand, and whatever it is that God is putting on your heart, I want to encourage you to respond. Guys, first off, I just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon. And uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church, or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church. Maybe you don't even live here. Um, I just want I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And uh, I want to encourage you to to respond in some way today, because you know when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we um, whatever it may may be, the point of that is. Um, for God to speak to us in some way shape or form and so if you are a Christian um, you've been a seasoned Christian you know the Lord already then the way that we can respond is just by you know asking him God what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me uh, based on this sermon the way that you're speaking to me what do you want me to do and then respond to that maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to um, and, and you haven't been giving it to him I want to encourage you to give that to him and step out in faith. or maybe if it's um, you know, some unbelief that you've had and, and God has really convicted you of some things. Um, You know, whatever it may be for you, it's different for everyone. I want to encourage you to respond to God and and step in His direction. And and the other thing, too, is if if you were somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message, you've never been, been impacted by that gospel message, but now something is happening, God is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit, then I want to encourage you to step out in faith, respond to that gospel message. And throughout the book of Acts, um, Acts tells us our history as a church. Uh, it shows us that you know what that response looks like. So number one is to repent. And this word repent, all that means is just to turn from you know our sinful ways, our sinful desires. You know, turn from making ourself God and all these other things in life, God, and turn to God, and just give Him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response, after the repentance, there comes something else. It's called baptism. And, and baptism is so key. It's so important. It's seen all throughout um, in that book and Acts and, and the importance and significance of it. Um, it's the symbol of death to the old self and then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ and we're we are we we're, uh, we die with Christ to the old self and we are raised with Christ to, to walk in this new life and it's a command from Jesus so I want to encourage you if you have made that commitment to Christ if you have stepped out um, and you are wanting to follow Christ then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at I encourage you to do that um, if you don't have a church we would love to be able able to celebrate that with you um, here, but I would encourage you first and foremost to do that, to, to talk with someone, um, to get counsel on what this means, to seek discipleship as well, so uh, I encourage you to do those things, we would love to talk with you, we are praying for you, I want you to know that you were loved and you were prayed for. So if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ, um, and if you want to take that next step with us, then we, are, we, we would welcome you with open arms. And so there's some links that we're going to provide below for you. Uh, please check that out. Um, and again, if you, if you have any prayer requests, um, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. And we're excited about taking this next step with you.